0: This is the BBC.
1: This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK.
0: Hello, good afternoon. Your thoughts were dominated today, uh, according to our phones since uh, midday, by prisons, the church... And Brexit, have you worked in or had experience of any of Britain's prisons? Of course, the prison officers are so concerned that we saw this protest action this week, concerned about the state of our prisons. The government said any action along those lines was illegal. What's your view? Maybe you've an experience specifically from within one of Britain's prisons. The morality of the Church of England, that's been called into question over its investments in Amazon. Revealed after the Archbishop of Canterbury sharply criticised the company's tax dealings, so do get in touch on that uh, issue of church and politics. And, of course, Brexit. There's the question of the land border on the island of Ireland. question about whether it can be solved with technology. Do you, for example, transport products between Norway or Sweden or Switzerland and Germany? How does it work? What are future trade deals as well? How quickly can they be secured? And there was that question at the end of the programme about Serena Williams' recent behaviour. Was it in some respects overdue? 03700 100 444. That's the phone number. The email address, any.answers at bbc.co.uk. Or you can tweet using the hashtag BBCAQ. We start in our prisons with Patrick Edwards in Hull. Patrick, good afternoon. Afternoon, Julian. What's your experience in our prisons?
2: Um, I I was an officer for 16 years. Uh, uh, I left many years ago, but i still got many friends who are still in the prison service. Uh, I was incensed when I heard, uh, I think it was Vera Hobhouse, mm. made the point that uh, prison officers signed up for a no-strike agreement. Uh, and that is just wrong, because it was forced on them by a court uh, when the government had them reclassified as constables. This was 20-odd years ago. and, and It's what still that- the law,
0: though, isn't it, Patrick?
2: It, it is still the law, but what that created was a lot of frustration amongst officers. And since there was no there was no no strike agreement, there was no compensation given to officers at the time. So there's a lot of frustration there, and they've, they've had years and years of pay freezes. I, I I went six years without a pay rise. We've they've been through it all over again over the last few years since. Two thousand and nine to twenty ten um, and what 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 has that resulted in record levels of turnover of prison officers uh, you 've got unfortunately officers uh uh succumbing to temptation and smuggling uh into jails. The calibre of staff is not as good as it was. This is a symptom of low pay and of course the regimes are affected as well. We we're trying we're trying to do everything on the cheap and hoping for the best. And this is this is another example this is another example of that in the prison mm. service. And we saw the frustration boil over yesterday. Uh, staff are, are concerned about safety within the jails, and, and, and I fully support them.
0: In which case, what do you say the answer could be here?
2: Well, we, where, where the money's going to come from, I don't know. So it is There's about money problem.
0: principally, or are there other aspects well, to this?
2: Well, the, ma- the, the majority of a budget of a prison is the staff, and if you don't invest in the staff, you're not investing in the prison. If 99.9% of prisoners will eventually come out back on the streets into the society that we live in, and if we want them to come out as, as well-equipped as possible to return to society and not be uh, uh, you know, c- committing further crimes, we need to have good regimes, uh, uh, lots of... Uh, good stuff to do for them in there and lots of learning and jobs, etc., etc., and you need uh, staff to do it. And you need to pay officers a decent level of, of wage so you get the right calibre of staff to deliver what we're hoping for. The other
0: issue raised, of course, and several of the panellists on the programme raised this was the wider point, and this is not necessarily in the gift of prison officers, but whether or not as a society we are sending too many people to prison and often sending people for very short sentences where they realistically can't be rehabilitated in any meaningful way.
2: I would agree with that. I, I, I worked on a young offender's wing for many years. I saw... Very scared, almost children, as young as 15 when I started. It was raised to 17 eventually. Mm. Uh, you had 17 year olds coming into jails. They were very scared. Uh, they were sent there sometimes for very good reasons, but um, many of them were, were very frightened of what they were getting into, and eventually they got comfortable with the surroundings, they got to know the other prisoners, and it is, in, it is to some degree a learning school. They get they get uh, institutionalised, uh, and, and the short-term sentences, the, the three months, the six months, I don't really think they serve a lot of
0: purpose. OK, Patrick, thank you very much for kicking us off. I'm reading some tweets. It's the government's policy of outsourcing services and running them on the cheap-for-profit that's putting prison officers' lives at risk, says Judy. Anne. Recent reports, says Stephanie, indicate that the majority of the prison estate is not being run in a manner that aids rehabilitation and may actually be making problems worse. Rory Stewart, that's the prison's minister, should be lobbying for more money, she says. Uh, An email that came in a while ago. Simon says the situation within our prisons is much worse than we are led to believe. I have friends and families working in the prison service and every day they return physically unscathed is a relief. The panellists, when answering who suggested that austerity should end soon, is a disgrace because we're about to enter a much worse period when the true cost of Brexit hits all our infrastructure, including prisons, says Simon. That latter point we may return to. Jane, I know this is not your real name because you wanted to remain anonymous, but thank you for calling. What do you want to say?
1: That our prisons face is the lack of funds for the staff. The money is being spent in the wrong direction. So many experienced staff have left and they're being replaced by, they're trying to recruit 18 year olds who walk into a prison with no life experience, do a few weeks training, and then the first sign of trouble, they fold. Go
0: back to what you said about the money being spent in the wrong direction. What do you mean?
1: because of the shortage of prison officers a lot of prisons are having to staff um, staff their prisons by detached duty so therefore off duty prison officers from other prisons are being sent to other to another prison to make up the staff number the cost is phenomenal you have their travel expenses you have hotels you have car hire to send an officer there which <laughs> The amounts to two or three times the prison officer's salary mm. and they're being sent they they are burning themselves out because they're they're doing detached duties on days off they're going into prisons where they don't know the layout they don't know the prisoners you know mentality and um, or personalities if you like mm
0: if this if this is if this is to an extent about money and patrick acknowledged that in the in the previous conversation i had how do you persuade uh, the british public given that money is tight that more money more of their taxpayers money needs to be spent on prisons and prison officers and the well-being of prisoners because you know as well as i do that that's not necessarily at the top of people's Packing orders, if I can put it yeah, like that.
1: Yeah, but the, the action yesterday—I mean, it wasn't a strike; it, no. it was a protest meeting. Prison officers are very vulnerable. They are—they have a, an awful experience. I mean, there is barely a week when the, the member of my family that is a prison officer doesn't get excrement or, or urine thrown over them. They—they're mm. um, they're not treated with sort of any respect with any backup a lot of the governor's hands are tied Mm. um and the government says well you can't strike you can't do this you can't do that but why don't they come up with a solution where the experienced prison officers are given some
0: support? Well, we'll see what the, the prisons minister has to say because he's new in the job and he was praised in the programme. That's Rory Stewart who's coming up with some new ideas. Maybe he will. Jane, thank you for the call. Robert Birch, not your real name um, either, I know. Tell us your situation and your interest in this subject.
3: Yeah, hi, thanks very much. Well, I've just spent uh, nearly two years Uh, for the time doesn't really matter what I did. The point I want to make is what I saw there absolutely shocked me. As a senior manager from the public sector and blue chip companies I could not believe what I was observing uh, in terms of the way the thing runs, the management is atrocious. It's appalling. The last call made a range of issues about how money is poorly spent or mm. you know not not properly recycled. But it is incredible that the leadership in in, in, in the prison service is just atrocious. And no wonder, therefore, that uh, the guys on the front line. Um, I, I, I certainly wouldn't support them striking, but they they don't know what their role is. They don't know from day to day what they're is right. uh,
0: well, doing. Uh, just to comment- concentrate on and the line's not great so I'm not gonna, I'm not going to make it a lengthy conversation but I'm just interested in your observation about the standards of management if it is as bad as you say where does the problem lie because somebody has appointed these managers and presumably did so in good faith yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I'm sure that,
3: uh, that uh, reduction in finances doesn't help at all. And, uh, you know, they're being required to do more and more with less and less. I'm not saying that's not possible, but mm. efficiency comes from good management, good team leadership, good understanding of what the outcome is, is required. And I, I, I charge people to say, you know, what is the point of prison? In reality, can we get a common understanding of what that is? I don't think we do. I don't think we understand exactly what the point of prison is in reality. Okay. And therefore, it's very difficult for those guys who are trying to run it efficiently to make that happen. The the idea that there's some some form of rehabilitation going on is, is farcical. It's completely farcical.
0: Thank you very much for the call. Uh, Keith Parkins writes, had the prison officers not walked out, society would not be aware of the dire state of our prisons, which is uh, clearly true to an extent that we're talking about it today, when otherwise we wouldn't be. Uh, Paul says, our prison officers, police, army, etc., are given a fair, independent and satisfactory way to deal with grievances and problems. If they are told not to strike, they are as entitled as anyone else to effective solutions. Uh, Don says, note that MPs gave themselves an independent pay review body and when this recommended a substantial pay rise, they were obliged to award it to themselves against their will, not so, when it was police, army, etc. And a very simple message from Mission on Twitter, prison officers deserve better. Sue Olds on the line. Sue, good afternoon. What did you want to say?
4: Oh, hello, yes. Hi. Uh, well, I listened to all the um, stuff that's you know, been going on and the, all about the prison the protest by the officers, and they were, well, as far as I can make out... They were driven to it because nobody was listening to them. The government and people who could do something just didn't seem to be taking any notice, showing any concern for what those poor people have to face in prison you know in their job as prison officers and um I did actually hear one of them challenge somebody on the, I don't know who, on the radio mm. yesterday, um, saying, well, what what would people have us do?
0: Mm. OK, Sue, thank you for the point. That echoes what Keith Parkin said a moment ago, as I say, about uh, had they not walked out, people wouldn't know about it. Jal Framji's in Wilmslow in Cheshire. Go ahead, Jal, good afternoon.
5: Hello there, good Julian. In the UK prisons, there'll always be problems unless you clean up the criminal justice system where lawyers can earn three times the money to send an innocent person to prison than to let an innocent person go free. Now, prison officers were right to walk out. They're on the receiving end of unprecedented violence and near-daily attacks. Justice Secretary David Gauke said that the action was wrong and irresponsible. Mm. What is wrong and irresponsible is cutting prison officers by 7,000. Go, go back to your Fa- previous... Farming out contracts to private firms incapable of running
0: jails and leaving staff at risk of violence and about. Certainly the private company issue has cropped up on this programme before. Go back to your point about sending innocent people to prison, because what are you basing that on?
5: to many young people who are in the wrong place at the wrong time. They get prosecuted and they get to court... And when they get to court, the lawyers would deny them the right to give evidence under oath with the result that they get a custodial
0: sentence. And why is that relevant to the, the situation prison officers find themselves in?
5: Yes, because the prisons are full of the wrong... You see, a lot of people are institutionalised. You know, and they end up in prison because of the, the, the local services can't go, You know, social services can't deal with these people, so they end up in prison. The the, the violence erupts because. People, innocent people who end up in prison, they can't get a job or anything. They obviously get violent. Okay.
0: Jal, thank you very much for the call. There's a lot more money to be made in incarceration, says Craig Hall, than there is in youth services, which would reduce prison numbers. Uh, another point made during the programme, I think it was by Vera Hob- Hobhouse, was talking about people with mental health issues who end up in prison, which, in her view, was wrong. John Ingram's in Feltham. John, good afternoon.
6: Uh, good afternoon. You can tell that, obviously, our problems is because of our 100% retribution system. Uh, I've been in a Denmark high-security male prison
3: yeah.
6: uh, as a guest, uh, and uh, they really have rooms rather than cells. 50, nearly 50% of the prison officers are female. Mm. Uh, they make their own meals. Uh, they've got a kitchen, and they make their own meals, and I was there uh, around lunchtime, I saw in the kitchen that a prisoner was cutting up vegetables with a knife, and a pot had boiling water in it. I said to the prison officer, "Are you not scared about that?" And she said, "No, because we respect them, and therefore they respect us."
0: And this is not just
6: worried at all. Just to
0: be clear, this is a high security prison you're describing. So people inside that prison would have committed some very serious, in some cases, violent crimes.
6: Uh, yes, and uh, they they did tell us that. The majority of criminals don't go to prison, right? And uh, um, unlike us, but what, what say what, they... what
0: intrigues me about what you've just said is just yeah. imagine the press coverage there would be in this country if the kind of prison cell that you have just described became yeah. standard in this country, and some very serious criminals ended up in that kind of environment. You know what the public reaction might be to that, don't you?
6: Absolutely, because it's the public that demands a 100%... Right. So the
0: public's wrong, John. (laughs) Maybe. Is that what you're suggesting?
6: Yeah, but Denmark has a 100% percent re system. Mm. They have the lowest crime per person in Europe, lowest-priced prison system in Europe. Only 12% go back into prison. Prisoners go back into prison. Uh, after two years. We have 80%, sure. okay, John. proves it's a broken system in this country.
0: I'm going to move it on, but thank you for making that point. Kim in Weymouth makes this point as well, that they arranged, that's the prison officers who took the protest action, they arranged that prisoners were locked down so safety was not compromised, which is certainly true on the evidence of, of what I've read about the events of, of Thursday at Bedford. Valentine Phillips is in uh, Ambleside in Cumbria. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Julian. Uh, what, what's your connection to the world of, of prisons?
7: Well, I was uh, formerly a chair and a member of an independent monitoring board, mm-hmm. which are basically volunteers who go into prisons to make sure that they're being run in accordance with the uh, fairness and decency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've been going since Tudor time. So that in some form or another, there have been volunteers going into jails for 500 years.
0: Right. So, so you, can, you can tap into quite a lot of experience here. So given what you've just told me, what do you make of what the prison officers are saying about the current state of affairs?
7: They absolutely have uh, a case. There is no question about that. This is all about money or lack of it. The Ministry of Justice has cut the budgets to the bone. This has got rid of experienced officers, and there was a term that, that was used in jails of jailcraft... These were guys who knew exactly how to behave towards prisoners. Prisoners knew exactly how to behave towards them. They were got rid of, and in their place, and the government bangs on about this, they're making replacements or uh, appointing... Rookie young people who have no jailcraft whatsoever, and why would they? Because they're young, and the prisoners know the moment they step in the jail that they have no experience and they just take them to the cleaners. fundamentally, and it's all to do do with respect and lack of respect.
0: Mm. Can I go back to the point with you that I raised with one of the previous callers about money, because you've highlighted that as being an issue. How does a political party go to the country at the next election and say, out of your taxes, we're going to spend more money on prisons than the last lot did?
7: Well, the problem is they need to get the point over, which one of your previous callers made, that if you don't spend this money at the front, front-end loaded, you end up spending far more money just papering over the cracks, detached duty, probation service, whatever it is. If you actually get it right at the coal face, the rest will eventually disappear. You have to get that message across to the public. And, and in my experience... I'd only been on the board about six months when I realised that the majority of people in prison are losers. They've never had a chance. Chaotic lives, physical and sexual abuse, you name it, mm. it's been done to them. And does that... They have no chance.
0: And does that observation therefore embrace what was said on any questions about the numbers being sent to prison, particularly those being sent for very short periods of time?
7: Oh absolutely. In my experience if you treated a prisoner with respect, he was more respectful than a lot of people I meet outside. And therefore if you could actually start treating them like human beings and and giving them a chance to to do something, I think a number will respond. But you've got to spend the money at the front end. You can't rely on it being papered over later.
0: Okay, good to have your thoughts. Thank you for calling. uh, Valentine Phillips in Ambleside. A couple of last tweets on this. Uh, God forbid we import sensible Scandinavian ideas, says John Sweet, uh, presumably a reference to our caller talking about Denmark. And Dark Robin Risen says, prisoners who misbehave in prison should get a lot of years added to their sentence with all parole possibility removed for each and every offence committed. Let's move on to church matters. The question posed in Any Questions was how moral is it for the church to keep investments in Amazon after the recent comments from the Archbishop of Canterbury because uh, his comments were pretty critical of uh, Amazon in terms of their tax affairs. He also uh, spoke about zero hour contracts this is uh, Justin Welby of course he said uh, he called it the reincarnation of an ancient evil. Mark Watts is in Kent. Mark good afternoon. Go ahead what do you want to say?
8: Um, I just wanted to start with a bit of context. Um, Church commissioners run about £8.3 billion worth of assets, and a portion of that goes into equities. Mm. So on that, they let the investments be done outside, but they retain the shareholder activism internally themselves. So in other words, they get to vote on issues that they think concern them from a social point of view
0: right so that that, that's the argument that says if you stay within the system even if you don't like the system you're more able to change it
8: um uh, 100 the the, the industry is i wouldn't say the industry is split but there are two schools of thought you either negatively screen and ignore those companies and that's easy to do for things like companies that are engaged in gambling but where you have a business which a priori is socially fine but mm. there are some issues within the business the way they conduct it that you have an issue with it's actually much better to buy the shares get a seat at the table and then from the inside encourage the directors and, and and the management to actually adopt better inverted commas practices
0: okay do you mind staying there mark because i want to bring Stuart wilkie in on this as well who's in norfolk who i think might take a different point of view but i don't want to put words into his mouth uh, Stuart, good afternoon
9: Good afternoon to you, Julian, and also to your caller. Uh, Uh, Church investment,
0: where should it stand, do you think?
9: Well, I understand the overall figure they're in charge of is around $25 That was reported earlier in the week. Mm -hmm. And if you invest in a company, you condone that company's behavior. Uh, When you become a shareholder, you are part of that financial package, which is effectively running the business. Now, there's two elements of this. One is that if you have that situation, the first problem they have is a conflict of interest in the House of Lords which is that you have Lords Spiritual who are voting on matters of tax avoidance and they would need to recuse themselves immediately with such a conflict of interest if they're investing in a company that's involved in tax avoidance. But more crucially than that, the strongest message the church uh, Church commissioners could give right now and the church generally would be to withdraw their, um, their monies to um, sell their investments and they should say to Amazon nationally and globally, that um, by doing so, because of their um, tax avoidance, they cannot um, ethically, morally invest in this company. However, if they are prepared to pay, therefore, taxes, they would certainly reconsider reinvesting in that
0: company. Okay, That's the strongest message. Right, I'll come back to Mark in a moment. I should say, of course, that Amazon has repeatedly said it pays all taxes required in the UK. I just thought it was important to put that out there. Uh, Mark, come back on what Stuart's just said.
8: Um, Again, as I I mentioned, there are just There are different opinions on on this particular issue. I think the the opinion the other caller had was more prevalent in the 80s and 90s. What's evolved in the last couple of decades is the concept of shareholder activism. Mm. So one of of actually you get your seat at the table, you then combine with other shareholders with similar interests, and you can force real change. What about that, Stuart?
0: If you stay within, you can change something.
9: If only if you were the majority shareholder, they are a very small part of the cog. And if, if they're in an AGM, they might be able to raise a question, but it wouldn't change the conduct of the company. If they, they do what I suggested um, around the world, globally, that would have a far greater effect. And the other issue is what is the reason why they're investing? And again, this was a church commissioner who said they have to maximize the profits for their own pension pot.
3: Yes,
0: I think. Yes, they did say I think that.
9: And I think that that is really where the moral ethical issue arises. Are they prepared, prepared to to profit, profiteering from tax avoidance companies? And that is where the synod and the church commissioners have come down and say, no, we're not. That's not who we are. And I think that the, the, the churchgoers, although I don't wish to um, make, make the church lose money, uh, churchgoers should, uh, with their own footfall tomorrow, make a stand on this do you really wish for your church to invest in tax avoidance companies? Nicole right. and Mark suggested that it, it was socially OK. Yeah. How is it socially OK
0: to be a tax avoidance? OK, thank you both very much for engaging with that. A statement from the C of E said it considered the most effective way to seek change was to be, quote, in the room with these companies as a shareholder, which uh, harks back to what you were both saying. Some tweets, utterly stupid, to say the church should keep out of politics, says Anne, if you're a Christian, you have to be involved. Um, There are several more on the screen here. Uh, As long as the church receives tax money in England... They have nothing to say on monetary morality. Those who challenge the church, that was bad-tempered. Bad-tempered badger, to be precise. And those who challenge the church for criticising financial bodies misunderstand its nature and purpose. It's basic to the very being of the church to call for justice and decency for ordinary people beset by powerful individuals. John Sears is in Congleton. Hello, John. Oh, hello. Yeah, your point.
10: Yeah, yes, um... Uh... The point I want to make is um, the, the, the church, um, certainly um, uh, the, the Anglican church, amongst the various Christian denominations, almost certainly has the highest proportion of ancient medieval churches. I live in um, South Cheshire, half a mile from one at Asbury mm. uh, and uh, uh, the oldest part is 13th century and it has a thousand-year-old yew tree in the churchyard.
0: Right, and I'm sensing maintenance costs might be in well, your well, mind. Well,
10: absolutely. It's <laughs> not just a question of a lick of paint and a dust around. <laughs> you know, the second law of thermodynamics applies to churches. They they um, decay <laughs> and uh, therefore for um, massive restoration is essential
0: sure. periodically. Um, OK, John, I'm going to move it on, because I want to get to one more call on this and then a couple on, on Brexit. Janet Hannes in Burby, Burbage and Leicestershire. Hello, Janet.
5: Oh, hi. Uh, um, th- this really is defending Amazon a little. Well, I'm not? disabled and I can't get to the shops. Amazon efficiently delivers to me anything I need, and they take back, without question, anything without question. They pay the amount of tax that is legally demanded of them by the government. If we think, myself included, they should pay more tax, then it's up to the government to legally demand more. The government must change the law. When
0: the Archbishop of Canterbury says, as he did, that the firm was, quote, leeching off the taxpayer, you don't buy that.
5: I do, but it's up to the government to make it impossible for them to do so.
0: fair enough. Thank you for the call, Janet. Two on Brexit. Let's go to Ian Swinglehurst in Dorset on this issue of the the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic and also wider trade points. Ian, go ahead. Good afternoon.
4: Hello. Yeah. Um, Well, certainly on the border between Northern Ireland and the UK, um, I can only see this actually as working to Northern Ireland's benefit. Um, Primarily because it becomes the sort of Hong Kong of Europe. Uh,
0: Explain that a little more. What what do you mean?
4: Well, I think if you've got a part of the United Kingdom that still exists within the European framework, um, you've you've essentially got the similar to the Chinese Hong Kong outpost where... It will encourage a huge amount of inward investment in right. Northern
0: Ireland. But I'm not. I'm not clear what you're anticipating that the outcome of the the border issue will be to enable that to be, the the consequence.
4: I, I don't particularly follow the question.
0: Well, do you think there will be a deal done about the border or not?
4: No, I don't. Ah, in fact, right. I, I don't think there's going to be a deal at all. Okay. And the reason why I don't think there's going to be any kind of deal is because it would be remiss of the European Union to make our exit painless um, because they have bigger animals to protect. But after the invocation of Article 50, what's going to happen? Most likely nothing because the framework exists. It's very much a cut and paste job, as was suggested.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, It'll be business as usual. OK. Um, I want to squeeze one more in from a man quite close to that border, David Murray. Uh, go ahead, David. Good afternoon. You've got a minute Hi. or so.
11: Um, well, you could have introduced me as calling from Hong Kong, couldn't you? Well, I might um, as well have
0: done, yes. Who knows? <laughs>
11: yeah. Well, OK. Look, th- the border, physical <laughs> infrastructure on the border, checking goods going past, uh, going over the border, right? I've been over the border this morning. Uh, on the Irish side, half a mile from the border, quarter of a mile, half a mile from the border is a roundabout. Now so where are you going to put the checkpoints there which road are you going to put them on or are you going to have two checkpoints
0: well you might not need them if technology solves the problem of course
11: I don't believe, I don't believe the technology does solve the problem I think we, we, we always have this from the uh, uh, from the brexit uh, brexit people who, who, who but they never come up with the detail of what the technology is other than um, talking about Rotterdam which of course as somebody pointed out in the program is a container, container port. port yeah so, so goods are checked, goods can be checked on the containers sealed. OK. Now, coming very, back, very back over the border, there's another round about half a mile from the border. Um, again, which Same road you. are you going to put All the right. checkpoints on? Um, you know, you've got to have physical checks if you're, not in the, if you're not in the customs union. OK,
0: David, I'm going to end things there simply because time has beaten us, but thank you very much for your contribution and for walking across the border this morning as well, which was obviously quite useful for us. Uh, David, not David, Jonathan Dimbleby is in Manchester next week for any questions, so join him then. Uh, that's it from me. Thank you for all your calls and comments and enjoy the rest of your Saturday afternoon.